0: It's time to go one-on-one with DP. Coming at you live from the Copple Chevrolet GMC Studios, here is your host, Derek Pearson, presented by Beatrice Bakery, on 93.7 The Ticket and TicketFM.com
1: Welcome, everybody, to one-on-one. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, four The starter hammy text line on the Lincoln hotline. If you want to call in, you want to text in, um, but we have company and the reason why and in support and folks know me, you know, that I'm, I'm not a better, um, that's on purpose, <laughs> uh, a, a lifetime full of, of being around sports and seeing what happens when it is done without boundary control or responsibility and so today um we think it's a, it's a, it's a good thing with selection shun- sunday yesterday uh that everybody have the conf you know the, this conversation so uh i've asked jake Sorensen to sit in as well because i want this to be a station-wide conversation i want folks outside of this space particularly as well to carry this thing through so uh jake come on in and and let the folks know. How does this meeting of the minds happen? How does this group, how do these two folks get to you?
2: Well, we are joined in studio by Deb Hammond, the director of Choices Treatment Center in Lincoln, and Mike Chandra, also the education outreach coordinator at Choices Treatment Center. And we were just talking back in February how it's important, like you said, DP, that this is a big time of the year where the sports books get busy and people make bad decisions because they get excited about what can come from their. Great minds they have, and all that leads to problems, and, and trying to get out of the hole, and that's why we uh, have have Deb and Mike here today to talk about that. And we thank you guys for joining us today. Uh, this is obviously a huge week for you guys trying to talk about problem gambling awareness in this whole month in general. So I'll start with you, Deb, as the director of the Choices Treatment Center. Uh, what what goes on this month, for you guys, and and how you know how important is it for you guys to get the message out there about the importance of Being smart with with you know with with the whole gambling concept
3: it's uh it's a very big deal because over the pandemic we have seen a 30 to 60 percent increase with online gaming Um, and that is not primarily adults that's a combination of three years and up that can get on their cell phones and and have at it so um Even though it's it's uh, around March Gambling Awareness Month, it's it's a big deal all the way across the country, um, throughout our state, and as we look at legalizing and now we've already legalized, sorry, right um, the uh, casinos, we're going to have sportsbook in Nebraska. So and that's that's close. It's there's licenses being issued now, and um, probably going to uh, see our first one within the next three months opened as far as a casino what
1: does we understand the business behind it but i think what gets lost sometimes is the psychology behind it right why people are drawn to this and it's purposeful and it's in its draw and it's magnetic power mike you can speak to this what is it that makes it's so appealing to people, even when we know deep down that it generally has a, a, a negative outcome.
0: Well, first thing I can tell you all is that I am a problem gambler. I'm in recovery, but I i mean, for over 20 years, I was had a very serious issue with it. And it was all sorts of different forms of gambling. But uh, the big thing for me is that it was first of all, it was a, something that was just a part of my family. Is that something we grew up? My family went to the casinos, did all sorts of different things as far as gambling. It was part of our regular conversations. So it was very normalized in my home. But then from there, you know, as I got older and more responsibilities, more family, more money needed, you know, that just that cycle starts where you start betting, then you get behind, and then you start trying to catch up, trying to chase. And that's, you just get into a cycle where you're either... It, it, it almost comes across as like, it can almost manifest in like a bipolar sort of sense, you know, as far as you get the mania of the rush of gambling, the rush of winning, and then the low lows of losing. And it gets to a point where it's just like any other addiction, uh, any substance abuse, anything like that, that you're just chasing that high all the time. And you'll do anything to chase that high. And it's very similar in far as look and feel to a substance abuse or any other addiction.
1: Deb, how does this, you know, within treatment for this, how much of the focus is on the things that lead you there rather than the reaction to after you've already involved yourself? Marketing, there's some high-level branding and psychological marketing that goes on to get people to the window and online to the sites. How much time do you spend dealing with that and how?
3: Well, actually, I'm going to probably – have mike address that a little okay. bit but i do want to clarify something with all of us okay. because 80 percent of the population can gamble normally it, mm. it's the 20 percent that can't or the 20 percent that's going to be affected okay and so a rule of thumb used to be that an addict would affect seven to ten people mm. gamblers problematic gamblers affect 50 or more individuals wow. because they're borrowing money they're out there trying to chase that bet so when you asked about the importance of it um I I wish I could put the articulate the words to to tell everybody the pain that's there for the ones that can't, but for those groups of individuals who can gamble normally. They need to maintain what that normalcy looks like. I mean, the minute you start to lie or you're stealing money Mm -hmm. or you're crossing that line of spending monies that are not disposable incomes, Mm -hmm. then there's a a problem already happening. And so our upbringings are huge. I mean, we are a product of our environments. sometimes. We have to break those cycles. So back to Mike as far as your actual question. Okay.
0: Mike? I mean, as far as it goes for me, it was a matter of, I mean in treatment we broke it down right away. First of all, I was very fortunate I was treated through Choices and so I'm going to be pro Choices, but any counselor would go through the same process I feel like as far as we started out just kind of examining my life, you know, doing a timeline of what where this whole where the behavior started, what it looked like. And I feel like it'd be the same with any addiction treatment, but we really kind of started out with just with that timeline, breaking your life down, you know, because for me, the, the life that I lived seemed normal to me from the time I was a kid all the way through being an old man that I am now, you know, I, uh, it was just normal for me and for me to actually sit down and go through a timeline go through just breaking down step by step year by year kind of what my life looked like realized hey this isn't normal behavior you don't have to live like this moving forward and that's what got me into treatment in the first place is that i was just exhausted i was truly living a double life between what i was doing from the gambling side of me versus who i was trying to portray myself to be to the outside world and that exhaustion, I knew it was wrong all along. I knew what I was doing wasn't right. So for me to actually have someone help me understand that, and help break it down for me, really made all the difference in the world. Deb, what's
1: what's the thing that allows you to get up and do this every day? Because you're watching battles, victories, losses. What's the thing? Because
3: <laughs> 36 years ago, I stopped sports gambling myself. Right, right.
1: right. So... Like uh, That's usually and, – and, and within these spaces – there usually has to be a rock bottom.
3: Well, you can call it rock bottom, or you can call it you've lost everything. I mean, you you, you don't have anything left, whether it be financially, emotionally, mentally. Unfortunately, seven percent of the individuals that we treat have had some suicidal ideation, um, and obviously, when we, we want to prevent the actual successful suicide, so um, if we can intervene faster. Um, or if individuals like Mike or somebody who has a problem, I would much rather treat that early on than to have them be at their rock bottom place. I would much rather do a lot of preventative educational pieces. Um, I, I can guarantee you that most sports gamblers of, say, 12 to 20, they're going to tell you they know that, that um What odds? But I don't necessarily think they understand what the odds are and how directly they can be affected by that.
1: Should should that be the messaging? Though that look, this is not a winning proposition at all. Like it, it just isn't. (laughs)
3: no it is the the (laughs) odds are not in favor of the gambler or there wouldn't be gambling you know Uh, but again it's 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 set out there to be for entertainment purposes it is not designed as you said stated earlier that it is business i mean business is business but at the same time there's an obligation and a moral obligation that each and every one of us have to take because the last thing on earth we want to see is somebody financially devastated or they lose their family or they end up committing suicide um we we have to be proactive in saving and and talk about this. This this is a public health issue, and we're we're putting our heads in the it's sand. It's a
1: community issue. Yes, that affect, Thank you. That affects workload. It affects family. Um, how people engage in the community responsibilities. Um, all of those things, and I, we jokingly, Jake and I have had this conversation that, as a part of what we do, I'm asked to predict and, and suggest, <laughs> yep. and I and I and, and I, I run away from it uh, in full. He did today. He did this, he did this morning. <laughs> like in full, because I understand one, what it does to the person. Then it understands at a, at a greater level, an expanded level. You said if it affects fifty to people outside of the person who's making a decision, what I would ask is, how do you? What is the reach? What what is? What's the plan to get into the dark corners to get people to admit and and understand that they need help? It's okay to need help, which is probably almost as important for people to feel like it's okay. To not be okay in this
3: space. You said a mouthful there. <laughs> um, for us, for, for choices in particular, mm-hmm. um, I met with my bookkeeper and my CPA and I just said, you know what? We had to do something because we're not getting the message out there. Mm-hmm. Our calls are up because we, we, we go out and we do an outreach piece. Um, so therefore hiring Mike as the marketing director made sense to me recovery and marketing go hand in hand Mm -hmm. Um, individuals are more apt if they hear somebody talk about it they're more apt to reach out Um, also we're dealing with a different type of gambler Um, the gambler in my age you know I (laughs) am over the top here uh, 36 years not gambling but you know you look at the gambler today and it's all uh, it's technical It's all online for the most part, or you go into the casino and you place your bet and then you leave normally. Um, That's not where it is today. It's so much online and it's so ready accessible and there's so much done, whether they're at work or whether they're at home. And, you know, there's a lot of time that's escaped from Tracking
1: is easier, right? Now you can follow games, and now you get more information on games that maybe aren't local to you or convenient to you.
0: But that also leads to the obsession piece of it, too, which I think is a huge part of the addiction in general. And that's something that it has become an obsession with a lot of people out there. And it, not, it isn't even just your normal betting, it can be your daily fantasy, it can be. Anything here can get to that obsessive point, and that's where the addiction, the really disordered part of it comes into play.
1: Like that, you mentioned like the word that triggers, fantasy. The The yeah. fantasy betting has made it, it used to be a, a, a Sunday thing, right? It was a Sunday thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then it became a college football thing. So Saturdays are now involved, and now then there's a Sunday night game, A Monday night game, a Thursday night game.
3: Every day of the week.
1: Every day of the week. Now, with baseball, now you can bet on pitches. You can bet on lacrosse. You can bet on foreign sports that don't even exist (laughs) in your space.
2: Cricket. Right? Like all of it. Right? Like for all
1: of it. So, in the messaging, how do you attack? Because you have to attack this. You can't be passive in letting people know that you're here for him you're there for them
3: i wish we could be a little bit more aggressive right like in in our wording um i think we offend people when we become aggressive though so you know reaching out we're we're starting to move back into the schools mm -hmm. we will be talking with hopefully junior high and level and up honestly i think we need to be talking to which
1: you need to say that again so people understand how deep this thing runs
3: Junior high level and up. I would really think that, quite frankly, we need to be in the elementary schools and just talking about it because kids see their parents. They see their uncles, their aunts, their friends. And I'm not saying that it is all done at home because it's not. Um, Honestly, our statistics show us in the state of Nebraska that the majority of individuals learn how to gamble from a friend. Oh,
2: absolutely not from a parent,
3: <laughs> but I do have a lot of clients in the past and most currently another individual who who learned it from a grandfather innocently. Um, he could do fractions at five. You go to the horse track, right. you know. You um, used to go play keno, and you'd go with your parents Ugh. and keno, <laughs> keno, glorified bingo. Um, is it what is, that is, it is to it me. It really I is. In, in my
1: family, look, my, my mom, Guy rest her soul. But that was a thing that her and my sisters would do. And it provided stress. Like, it, it, it created drama. And I just said, oh, I didn't identify that as gambling.
3: Well, that's the other misconception. Most people in the state of Nebraska don't identify that we have gambling uh, because we don't have a casino.
1: Lottery. Lottery. It-
3: but we have the lottery tickets. Yes. Like lottery
1: tickets. Mm-hmm. There are people who are religious about it. And I think those conversations in this space, especially in the sports space, and I use that as the jump off for, for, for gambling because they're tied together so uniquely. Uh, televised te- uh, card play, poker tournaments as such. Uh, televised pool tournaments. Uh, I had a friend who bet on bowling. <laughs> wow Wow. <laughs> yeah, Whoa. yeah pro bowling and i went wow and then i have a friend who, who he literally bets on pro wrestling and i i, I just it, it took him saying is this weird like he actually just confessed he said okay is this really weird is this really bad and that's when the conversation really begins when somebody says I'm accepting that this is not normal and this is not good.
3: If you have to ask yourself that question, right? you have a problem.
1: <laughs> it's the thing. So, for middle school kids, how do you reach them? Are the educators a boundary? Are the is it just the families? Is is it the teachers that recognize that the young person is going through some sort of change or stress? How do you how do you approach that?
0: Let me – I'll chime in here because yeah. I'm, I'm the dad of a middle schooler right yeah. now. So for, I see it firsthand right. is that just mental health issues in general at that age are skyrocketing. And, and these teachers are aware of what's going on. They know what's going on in their classrooms. And it's not necessarily everything that – they they see kids all day that are stuck to their phones. And my daughter tells me about how – People are making TikToks during class. They're doing different things on their phones all day. And that includes things as far as games, as far as playing games, as far as which can lead into betting and stuff like that. The main thing at that age is to really set that behavior and just make sure you're not obsessive about any behaviors that are going to isolate yourself. And I mean, a lot of what we do on our phones these days, isolate yourself overall. So I think that's a good place to start is working with that. They don't, we don't have to go into the nuts and bolts necessarily of gambling, just those behaviors in general. If we can get away from those obsessive behaviors, then work into the gambling piece of it as well. I think that's where you really hit home with your uh, middle school students and their uh, teachers.
1: As a coach, as a high, and, I, and I've been in high schools all over America. And the phone engagement and the phone boundaries set by parents who pay for said phones. This is important to understand. Should parents think, do I need to go through the apps? Do I need to go through the phones? Do I need to or simply is it just asking the question, is this something that appeals to you or that you're interested in?
3: Well, I don't think it's wrong at all to sit down and talk to your children. Actually, quite frankly, the NCAA brackets are going to come out in the paper, and it's family fun and entertainment. You pick those. Um, I know several families that get together and do that. This is our opportunity to talk, though. Talk about the odds. Teach them how, what the odds are. There's nothing wrong in teaching what the odds are. Our, life is a gamble. It's, it's how we, we choose to set those boundaries. Um, I will say this in defense of Lincoln Public Schools. They have been very good to us in the past. And with the pandemic, we, we had to stop. But I think it will pick back up again, especially on the high school level, the consumer family science classes, they bring us in. They allow us to come in. They allow us to screen. They allow us to um, do a survey with those individuals. And undoubtedly, every class, there will be at least one student who will have a story to tell us from either their family background or knowing a friend who has a problem and um, I don't remember, remember the exact date. It was probably four or five years ago where Omaha had the uh, student that was in junior high that was collecting bet at the school, I believe, on the brackets. And, um, that's mind-blowing. Having, I'm sorry. That's you know, mind-blowing. Um, in some ways, that because you know, gamblers are very high intelligence level. Yeah, um, no, and good, no doubt. They have to be sometimes in order to stay ahead of the game with chasing for the monies. Obviously, um, borderlines between criminal behavior and thinking.
1: Oh, there's some bullying. Absolutely. At at a high volume because of this. Like, that's the. When you talk about high school, junior high and high school kids, when the betting mentality becomes how they live, then the collections of said, and the running from, the evading, the avoiding, uh, and the lies that have to happen how do you address that what's the messaging to tell a young person listen if you're if you're if you're telling lies to do this you probably shouldn't be doing it how do
0: you handle that because
1: that's that's a little tough that's a little tough for a 12 year old 13 year old to hear but how do you handle it
0: i think just what you just said right there just being as Uh. blunt and honest about it as possible because they know I mean, my daughter knows at 14, she's known it for years, that if it's something that she doesn't feel comfortable telling me about, there's probably something wrong with it. And it doesn't matter if she spilled something in the living room or if it's she saw a friend doing something that they weren't supposed to or she went to a party or whatever it is. She knows that if she can't tell me about it and can't be honest about it, there's something wrong with it. And we need to be the same way regarding phone usage, whether it's something gambling-related, whatever it is. Just... Having that conversation, having that open dialogue with our kids about all of this stuff is just key. Uh, A-
3: average onset age yeah. in Nebraska for gambling is eight to ten years of age. When that's they have literally, what I was going to ask—that's
1: where—that's literally what I was going to ask you. Like, how early are the signs? When do parents need to really start to engage?
3: That's when they're introduced to gambling. Wow. Problematic and and eight disordered gambling—I can't—I I can't even tell you that is because we don't have enough statistics to show us that. Um, our Gamblers Assistance Program is is just getting up and running really well to where they have this website that you can go to and then there's a number um there for people to call there's screening and there's symptomatic symptoms of problem gambling but this comes back to the basics of parenting i'm I'm just yeah i have kids um everybody in this room knows knows a child Mm -hmm. so this again as i've said before you said community i say public health issue Mm -hmm. um it is a huge issue because it is so commonly and it is so easily acceptable. You know, it's just a little bet. It's just a little bet. Okay, is marijuana a little bit of marijuana? And then we take on to the next drug? Is alcohol a little bit of alcohol? And then we go to the shots. From the shots, we move up to the beers, you know, the mix. Whatever it is, there has to be boundaries. There has to be communication. There has to be a level of acceptance on what's tolerable. When we talk about we need to talk to children about this. Unfortunately, we have households that don't have meals together anymore. We have households that almost all the parents are working two jobs to make ends meet. You know, you've got you've got your individuals that we have to juggle our schedules at home as to one's working this shift one, one's working this shift and who's going to do this with the kids and who's going to do that um, and keeping the kids active I, th- I think it's very important to keep kids active and the kids will tell you, children love to talk.
1: Oh they can't wait to tell you who they are. Uh, Deb Hammerman and Mike Sondra, uh Choices Treatment Center, Lincoln I, Have we identified why people gamble? It's fun.
3: It's entertaining.
1: Right? I mean, that, that, that... And the things that are fun to us are often risky to us. Is it the thrill of it that you have to deal with and manage? Is it the consequences of said thrill that you have to manage from? Are you managing proactively or reactively? All of those are questions. Which one's the most difficult to answer? Reactive or proactive? So somebody comes to you and says, I-, I'm, I want to keep my child from doing this. How do I do it? Or is it simply in dealing with the choice made already?
0: I think there's an education piece to it is where it should start. I mean, you want to have some proactivity there with it. Just as far as having a conversation, I know with i'm very open about my past mm. and my experiences so i've had the conversation with my daughter letting her know kind of what i've went through and this is it yeah and this is I'll just lay it out there you know she's at the age now where she understands it and it's a matter of and this is with anything anything can become problematic if it, you lose control over it and it becomes an obsessive part of your life it can be food it can be gambling it can be substance abuse whatever it is just being able to have that conversation, just knowing, hey, if something gets out of control with you, that's not right. You know, you can do everything in moderation, but once it gets past that point, that's when you need to start reflecting and looking back and start talking to other people. And it comes back to that communication piece.
1: I, I'd love to ask you all, everybody in the room, we've talked about it from, from the parent standpoint. But just as important and maybe as volatile is the spouse significant other aspect. So, Jake, uh, how would you I just just look just to see how you would deal with how I would more likely ask you how she would deal with you. Uh, Um, Better question. Better question. (laughs) but, But what are the steps for a spouse significant other? and identifying realizing accepting assisting the person in their life
3: well first of all if if they're not if money doesn't add up at home depending on how they handle their monies cuz lots of families don't put their monies together anymore they have their money mm-hmm. his money her money kids money you right. know. so money is money's is the tool right. that is used to gamble with but the minute there's a lie, or there's absenteeism, um, can't make this, or can't make that event. Um, those are little telltale signs, um, obviously hiding their phones or not allowing somebody else to see their phones. If they're married, they should have access to each other's, um, phones. Well, and- oh, that's
1: going to cause fights on for, for listeners today. Yes. They're, they're I was have- say you just opened up a can of worms. Right yeah. Um, you just, you just set that off.
3: I, I get that, but if, if we're, <laughs> if we're, if we're being totally honest. No, but about- that's, that's,
1: the, that's why you have the discussion.
3: Absolutely. Why do you think it's so hard for parents to talk to kids? It's because they're doing it themselves.
1: Yeah, it's, it's very it's hard for them to talk to each other. It's a very difficult
3: process when uh, you go gamble over here, but then your children want to gamble. How do, you, how do you do that? You know? I think from
0: a spouse point, I just want to put up this one point because I'm actually in a class right now. I'm taking uh, cou- classes to become a certified gambling counselor, mm-hmm. and I just got done with one for about significant others. And the biggest thing they talk about in there is that uh, spouses a lot of times are relieved when they find out that their significant other is uh, gambling because they thought it was cheating.
1: Yeah, it's like oh, it's just it's just money. It, it's yeah.
0: because it's it manifests in a lot of the same ways. You know that dishonesty, that absenteeism, all that sort of stuff. It looks very similar. They
3: are having an affair, male or female. You're having an affair with gambling, like yeah. it or not. Oh, you oh, are it's... not paying attention to that home, and yeah. and that is yeah. and that's why when Mike said that, that is something that was taught many, many years ago, that the spouses that finally came out and actually asked for help, which is why Nebraska, when we legalized the lottery, we actually put in legislation that family members and concerned others can have treatment at no cost as well as the gambler, because it is those individuals that are affected the most. It's not the gambler. We can stop the chaos with that, but we can't, we can't um, make somebody forgive somebody for lying to them. We can't we can't make up the monies that's been lost, the time that's been lost. That takes a joint, collaborative effort. And and for individuals that are going to be successful in this, their their support system has got to be great. It has got to be encompassed by people that understand. So. Working with our, our biggest um, intakes right now, our largest number of intakes right now is not the gambler themselves. It is the family member. Oh, it, they've course. heard an ad or they've seen something um, and they reach out for help. Um, and then it's an intervention process from that point on. It becomes, okay, what are you going to do to raise that bottom? Because you have to stop the enabling. If you're the spouse that's enabling and you don't even know you're enabling until you stop the chaos long enough, then, then we can get that other person in we can get the problem it's,
1: it's the tracking and identifying before the 23rd hour right where, where hey i'm really in trouble <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to right. get to that point before it gets there um i think look for for whatever vices we all have i think if we all learn one to have the communication to uh, to identify it but then finally removing the stigma
3: absolutely of it
1: right oh what are people going to think when they find out that 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 i didn't have control of this thing or that i didn't have the money or i didn't have the resources removing the stigma is a huge part of the treatment i would imagine
3: is the number one reason that people don't present for treatment It has nothing to do with money it's mm-hmm. embarrassing and um we do have to be able to accept this we're we we do not have any choice we are full full-blown gambling now in the state of Nebraska. So, like it or not, we had it before from a, the majority of it before with our phones and access to the computers. But now to have have them locally is is even more important for us to be able to talk. And and like I will reiterate this till hell freezes over. Oh, sorry. You're good. Um, <laughs> You're good. It, that of the population can gamble normally, we have an obligation to the 20% of the individuals to not let it get to a point where we have either a suicide or we have a family break up. I mean, that is extremely important to us. And that is probably the lead message for Mike is to give people the opportunity and let them know that there's help. One thing that gap has changed, which I think is extremely important for us, and it's going to work very well for, for Mike in the future, is... When you call the helpline, you actually talk to a live counselor in Nebraska now. Um, and there's on the website, you can actually go uh, on and you can, in, there's two interviews that are being, um, that you can watch uh, two individuals that are in recovery. Are, they share a little bit about their story and about hope and about how treatment worked. And here's a number. Um we want people to call before they're 150, 200 thousand dollars in debt. We want them before they're 20, 30 credit cards or online checks. You know, we got rid of the check cashing places in the, in Lincoln, but we didn't get rid of the banks that offer the overdraft protection they, they, at 35 dollars. They're online now. And then you got them online, yeah. and you can easy access to cash online. So there's a lot of hurdles, there's a lot of barriers, but there's also help and that's that is the most important piece for me is is that somebody can listen to somebody else's story because if if you if you hear somebody else and you know what they went through then they in turn can begin that process. Now, bring in that mental health and bring in that substance abuse piece also because you have to treat from a holistic approach because over 50% of the of uh, treatment for substance abuse individuals in the, in the state of Nebraska indicate that there's at least 25 to 35% of those individuals that have a gambling problem. They're just not being screened for it. So we need to all work collaboratively together to to treat.
1: I'm going to ask you two to stay. We're going to go to break real quick, pay some bills. We'll come back. I want to go into how folks can reach you, uh, how they can find you, and then the steps that are required to make this stuff work and make it happen. Uh, with order to break here on 101, 93.7 The Ticket.